0: some uh, some pro wrestling yeah this was a great great half a weekend of wrestling and another half of wrestling also it was an interesting weekend of wrestling um all around actually so uh oh yeah uh uh, the wrestling insomniac podcast Uh, my name is mike joining me today is his cousin cousin paul for a little wrestle talk um i I know we're going to jump into talking about takeover and and Survivor Series and everything, but before we do that, I gotta ask: Did you see the uh, David Arquette incident? I I read about it. Okay. <laughs> so Joey Janela's spring break. Uh, sorry, not Joey Janela's spring break. Joey Janela's uh, he had a show he ran it in, in, in Los Angeles, and uh, he, Game Changer Wrestling is is the promotion behind it. Actually, and Joey Janela's names on there, and he's booking the cards and. You know, it all started with Joey Janela's spring break and then spring break, too. Then he did a lost in New York, and now he did this L.A. show. And I, I unfortunately can't remember the catchphrase title. It was pretty, pretty awesome, though. Anyhow, uh, <clears throat> on the card, it was Joey Janela, unfortunately, messed his knee up real bad. And he's going to be out for probably a year is what they're looking at. That's not good. Yeah. Um, and then Joey Ryan uh, tore, his, tore his bicep, I mean, pectoral muscle, much like Triple H did. Um, so Joey Ryan was supposed to have a match against Nick, Nick Gage. Uh, Nick Gage is definitely known for being ultra violent, hardcore wrestler, Mm -hmm. but he's a good wrestler as well. And yeah, but he definitely has a reputation. And so, uh, of all people, they got David Arquette (laughs) to uh, replace Joey Ryan. And it went from being what we thought was just going to be a pretty stiff match to being a, a death match as David Arquette brought light tubes <laughs> to the ring with him. And um, you know, David Arquette, even though he's a former WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Obviously one of the best ever. Uh, top five. Uh, really doesn't have much wrestling experience. However, the last six months to a year or so, he's been wrestling a lot more. He did a lot of training. He's been getting into it. He's been having some matches. He's been kind of building a little name for himself as a guy like he's taking it seriously. And I've read a lot of comments, but after what happened this past weekend, he deserves to have been the WCW champion, <laughs> or they, or, or like they don't. There's less heat on him for what happened, which wasn't retroactively this past making
1: Vince it. Russo look like less of an idiot, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> 20 years later, of course, but uh, ultimately, the long and the short of it, there was a spot where uh, Nick Gage broke some light tubes over Joey Ryan, uh, over uh, David Arquette's head, and then David Arquette's down on his knees. Nick Gage is standing behind him, pulling his head back with one hand. And the other hand, he's going to jab him in the head with a broken light tube. Common spot in most death matches or weapons matches, wrestling, you have a guy down on his knees. Someone's behind him, jabbing him in the head with something. So there's like, ah, the guy's screaming. It looks very visual. I mean, you go all the way back to Starrcade 1986, Magnum T.A., and Tully Blanchard in the steel cage, I quit match, one of the, my favorite match, one of the greatest matches of all time. That was the finish. Yeah, Magnum TA jabbing Tully Blanchard in the head with a piece of the chair causing him to say, I quit, which he never said I quit. He just said yes. And, you know, Tully Blanchard's on his knees. Magnum cage, is, uh, uh, Magnum, cage. Magnum TA's above him, Good. you know, jabbing him. Same exact spot, except David Arquette reached back and grabbed Gage's ankles and pulled them up to sweep him and when he did he as he turned, I don't know if Gage didn't expect it or whatever happened, but he was accidentally stabbed in the jugular Good Lord with man. the light tube and it just tore his neck open oh man and if you watch the clip there's one clip that they keep showing which is a far shot and when it happens like they turn around and like everything stops and and you see David kind immediately grab his neck he stands up. He walks around he, he walks around a little bit, he goes in for cover, gets a two count, Gage kicks out, David Arquette heads out like he's going to head to the back, because I'm sure he's kind of in panic mode, he hasn't been wrestling that long, this is his first ever, and according to him, last ever death match, and he's freaking out at the moment, but for whatever reason he turns around, gets back in the ring, does a bunch of smoggy shit with Nick Gage, Nick pins him, one, two, three, and the match is over, Nick Gage retains his uh, game changer wrestling heavyweight championship, David Arquette heads to the back. There's another clip I've seen where it's a close-up shot. I think it's a fan clip. And after Arquette flips around and and gets stabbed in the neck, basically, when he turns around, you see Gage stop and just look up at him. And the look on Gage's face is literally, holy shit, like a legit kind of panicked, concerned, worried look. And he just lay there, not moving. And Arquette's just kind of looking down at him. And they kind of mouth each other. You know, Gage kind of says something to him, but he can't pick it up. But, like, you can tell from Gage's reaction that he's shocked and surprised and which kind of goes against his killer, badass, I don't give a fuck attitude.
1: Yeah. I mean, it goes to show that even in that type of match, there's like you're literally like seriously hurting each other. But there's still control. Elements. And, you know, when something gets botched like that. Even more dangerous, obviously.
0: Now, I know some people hate Deathmatch Wrestling. They I hate no Deathmatch Wrestling, it. by the way. That's fine. <laughs> I I I personally don't despise it. I, I grew up on it essentially, you know, ECW, FMW, Big Japan, whatever. Um, however. Yeah, I wouldn't even say I despise it. I just I don't
1: have a taste for it, is how I'd put it. And not everyone does.
0: Yeah. I I I think I think when it's done right, it makes sense and they tell a story with it or whatever. I think it's great mm-hmm. when it's just smudge for smudge sakes. I don't, I don't like it or yeah. it's just, you know, violence for violence sake, which I understand maybe that sounds weird and contradictory, but I guess the glass light tubes is my thing. Like those things seem so dangerous. Like yeah, it's, it's when, shattered you're break, glass. when you're breaking them through a the whole match, guys are just getting covered in cuts and everything. And yeah, it can look cool. It's a great visual when it breaks and it shatters everywhere. But like, like, for instance, CZW tournament death they had earlier this year, it was just... It, it wasn't that great. You know, It's just guys just putting themselves through hell, and and it didn't really do a whole lot for me. And then you fast forward, and they had a, uh, a women's deathmatch tournament where each match had one deathmatch item. Like, it was a barbed wire bat. It was thumbtacks. It was whatever it was. And they didn't even use light tubes to the main event. Whereas the CZW, there was thousands of light tubes used throughout the day. So... And the way they did it, it made sense. Like, they, the matches told good stories. And some of these women I'd never even heard of. And it was just like, to me, it was like a huge contrast. Like, they did Terminal Death like that. Like, they used to do Terminal Death. I think it still could be good. But anyhow. It, you know, it, that goes to show, too, there needs to
1: be some limit to what you can use, because if you go overkill, I mean, just, like, look at the progression of ladder matches. Ladder matches used to be, like, an art form. Yeah. And now they're just a spot fest for right. the most part. Like, they can they can be good, but if you watch the good ones, yep. they're using things a lot more sparingly now. They've reverted kind of back. Right. And, you know, and then, like, if you look at WWE, they've limited what guys could do because they more realize the serious chance of injury, and obviously when it was coming up, they really didn't give a damn. But, right. Um, but yeah, death matches is same thing. Like I'm still not gonna be a fan of them, but it was one thing watching, like you know, Mick Foley towards of his then of his career doing some. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if they called them death matches, hardcore well, matches. they just call them hardcore yeah. matches,
0: but essentially, yeah, the thumbtacks and yeah, stuff fire, like that. But fire. they were
1: done a lot more artistically, right? Mm-hmm. More controlled in how they use stuff, and not just overkill. And right. he put over some guys that got real big after that. and He was a. a a, like a big springboard for Randy Orton. Uh,
0: Randy Orton, Edge. Edge. I mean, yeah. Edge didn't really need it,
1: but at the time, I mean, that really rejuvenated his Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big boost. And I mean, for him to put guys over like that too on yeah. his way down, you know, when he was at the end of his career, says a lot. But
0: I mean, I got to see live uh, Mick Foley against Ric Flair in a hardcore I quit match at SummerSlam. Yeah. In Boston, I mean, where Flair wrapped his hand in barbed wire and chopped Foley with it. <laughs> Wow. Fully's chest was bl- legit bleeding. Yeah. Um, they used thumbtacks. I never thought I'd see Ric Flair thumbtacks. You know what I mean? But, like, it was it was a good match. Yeah. But it made sense. Exactly. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like, let's just, I mean, I'm going to jump into it. I mean, I'm going to go to Survivor Series real quick. And uh, I had some notes. Save the good stuff for last. Yeah. I had some notes about the uh, Nakamura and 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 Seth Rollins match. And here's the thing. Like, all right. I didn't care much for that match. At all. Like, I watched it. I love Nakamura. Seth Rollins is Seth Rollins. Um, But I didn't care much for her. I mean, there was really no reason behind it other than the spirit of competition and of Raw versus SmackDown. And I know some are going to argue, well, if it had a story, it would be better. And it's like, well, no, not always. I mean, there was no story at all between Nakamura and Sami Zayn. And that match was absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Because in the match, they told the story. Yep. You know? Uh, behind the scenes, I mean, they'd never touched before, and that's the thing they harped on. These two guys had never touched, but for me, they just didn't mesh well.
1: It's it's just, you know, telling the story thing, it's just like, I was talking about Michael Cole the other day, and uh, I'm not a fan of his, but I was saying he probably isn't as
0: bad as we feel like he is. When he did the UK tournament the first year, I couldn't get over like me and Aaron and a few others or whatever we were commenting on, and my buddies Mikey and Roy and whatever, commenting on the fact that Hanging over how good he was, yeah, and I, probably because he didn't have Vincent exactly, ear the, whole time. That's the
1: I think that's the thing is he's doing his role, and his role isn't to impress us. Um, his role is is to do what WWE has gotten really bad about doing, which is yeah. telling you what you should feel. Right, that's the problem is is when uh, when you're telling a story to say, okay, th- this is what you should think and feel about all this. That's not telling a story in a good way. That's an awful story. Telling it like what a commentator should do is
0: comment on what's happening, not tell you what you're seeing, you know? Like... Again, Michael Cole I thought was great at the UK tournament, and like you're saying, he probably isn't as bad as we all think. But at the same time, he's become that rhetoric machine for the WWE. Yeah, and it's kind of kind of frustrating. And like a lot of times when I'm watching some a match, and I'm like, this match is okay, and the commentator's like, this is a great match or what a match or like they 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 can't put the match over with what's happening in the ring, so they're trying to put it over just by commenting how great of a match it is. It's, it's lazy booking or yeah. lazy, lazy script writing by WWE. Well, it's 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 because they're trying to put this story over. And it's not just WWE, even indie shows do it or shit you watch on YouTube. Oh yeah. But it's just then you have a guy like Mauro Ranallo, who puts so much emotion and passion out there when he's commentating that you I as a viewer I feel it. Mm-hmm. And when he says, What a match, he's right it is.
1: Yeah, and he's <laughs> reacting to the match, not telling you right. it's not just by telling you this is a great match and you should, you know No, he's reacting to right. it. And that's what makes it I mean real. Think about
0: this. WWE has never ever released a footage of a commentator just commentating a match like they have with Ronaldo. (laughs) Like they have a camera set up at his desk looking at him so you can watch him commentate a match. Like they've released the footage, the last couple of takeovers, you know, from matches online because he's so into it and he's so passionate about it. And to me, like, Mauro Ronaldo is the best wrestling commentator, play by play man active right now. Yeah. Hands down. I mean, he really is like JR was back in the day. He's he's giving you
1: details that add to what you're watching, but he's not telling you what you're watching. His reactions are are much more true. I mean, I was reading something about uh, Jim Ross, just like a little blurb about him the other day. I didn't I didn't watch the Attitude Era. I stopped watching wrestling before that. But then when they they made a comment about how Jim Ross uh, was a big part of making the Attitude Era.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've watched video of stuff since right. that. Like, it's really true. Like, he really no, put when, stuff over But When Jim Ross in the Attitude Area in that mid to late '90s, when he was on top of his game in the WWE, he couldn't be touched. Mm-hmm. He was amazing. I mean, listening to listening to Jim Ross call Steve Austin or Mick Foley or, or any match really and getting hyped up. I mean, that was like that was Maro. That's how Maro is now. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, back in the day during that hi- highlight, Jim Ross was the best. I don't think he is anymore. No, no. Now it's no. the name, but yeah,
1: uh, um, it's still good to hear him, yeah. but it's definitely not the same touch that he used I think, to have. I think when you think about, oh, J.H. is going to call the action, it's more nostalgia-based. Yeah, well, I still enjoy there. it. Like when he's called, uh, he called some NXT and some uh, WWE matches at like one weekend. of.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Re- then recently, he did some stuff, yeah. Yeah, it, right. it was good to hear him, and it did add to it, but... Oh, he did the Mae Young Classic, didn't he? Was that what it was? I think so. I can remember, but yeah, well, he's done a little I, bit. It was good to hear him. I know, like, uh, New Japan's uh, show they did in Long Beach in September. It was him and Kevin Kelly. And Kevin Kelly, by the way, is right number two, rare behind uh, Maro for me. Kevin Kelly in New Japan Pro Wrestling does such a tremendous job with his with the English commentary. And he was just on talk as Jericho, and he you know they talked about how he. Like the Japanese commentators, essentially, he's like basically like they're cave fave. Like they don't talk to the wrestlers. They don't find out what the wrestlers are trying to put over in the story. They just react to what they're seeing. Whereas Kevin Kelly goes and he's like, so is there anything you want me to make sure I mention during the match? Anything you want me to focus on the highlight? He's like, because if I typically, he goes, I typically can watch the match and pick up on those moments they want. But if they tell me like, hey, you know, make sure you focus on this or make sure, you know, mention this or whatever it is. Or this is the backstory behind this. He can craft a better story as a commentator. And, you know, for my money, you know, Kevin Kelly, you know, uh, basically no matter who he's with, whether he's with Don Callis, whether he's with Chucky e. T, Rocky Romero, uh, Chris Carlton, the British fellow that's been helping them out a lot. And he wrote a book called Eggshells Shells with the Tokyo Dome that's really good. And another book about New Japan called Lion's Mark that I've read that's really good. Anyways, you know, well, whoever Kevin Kelly's with, it's, he, he carries the team so well that it doesn't matter. Whereas, you like, Jim Ross and the King together were amazing. But King with anyone else was just okay. Yeah, Jim Ross, you could
1: put with anybody. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, Lawler, Lawler, I think, has always been overrated. He wasn't as prime as an announcer, I think, pre-Attitude Era. Yeah. When he was just like a bad guy joking and right. being being crass, but it was reined in because the attitude Era like repeated right. reins and all he could talk about was boobs. So Yeah, puppies, it, puppies, puppies. Yeah, it was it was awful. You know, and, and then past that he was just even worse. He just had nothing to add once he went back to PG. Yep. And he was even older and probably works just with boobs. But
0: um yeah. Um so we got the Survivor series. <laughs> This past Sunday. I think I think we covered the Survivor Series. We can move on now. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to talk about it real quick. So, um, in the pre-show, we got the 10-on-10 10 10 Survivor Series Tag Team Elimination Match. I saw the the end and recap of that
1: was literally all that I saw because I turned it on right as it ended. I accidentally spoiled basically the first half of the show in a couple yeah. of ways. I'll mention the other one later, but I turned on the TV. I was like, oh, I'll just jump live on the pre-show literally
0: right at the end of the match. Ah. Uh, well, so the match itself was okay. I wasn't blown away. Um, you know, when it got down to the last four teams, which was the Revival, uh, Gable and Rude, uh, the Usos, and um, New Day, it, it picked up and got a bit better. But it, it annoys me that the Usos won, and here's why. Uh, they, they don't need the win. Mm-hmm. They're an established tag team. WWE's hung their hat on those guys for, like, what, a decade, it feels like. Yeah. You know, why not take the time to push the Revival? Or another tag team, but for me, it's the revival. I love the revival.
1: Revival's great. Um, you know, yeah. It, you know, I think that's the, the place that the Survivor Series has gotten to. Is it's not a show to accomplish anything with. Yeah. It's just a mess. Yeah. It's them trying to tell this show versus show story yeah. that is stupid and boring.
0: Now, I hate the fact that they made all the Russells wear the T-shirts of their brand. Yeah, I don't matches. really like that That is so stupid. Like, we don't know which brand they're representing. That is just dumb. It, it just really shows that they're catering to people who, who don't know anything right. about what they're watching. Which, exactly.
1: I mean, to an extent, like, okay, whatever, you do that. Like, even pre-show. Do it pre-show in that match. Whatever. Right. Because that really is catering to people who don't know what they're watching. Right. Cause
0: you but people know who are watching the Survivor Series, they, they either whip people that know enough about it or yeah. – uh, um, so the Saturday's open with a Team Raw versus Team SmackDown women's match, when 20 minutes. Nia Jax is your uh, sole survivor. Yeah, and I.
1: So that was the I watched all of that match, and then after that was where I screwed up half yeah. the show, and I'll explain why in a minute. But um, I, it did not surprise me they put Nia over like. Well, like they did. They were they're building on her momentum from being a shitty performer and breaking Becky Lynch's face.
0: So he actually accidentally punches Becky, Becky Lynch in the face on Raw the, this past Monday. And, and Becky Lynch, who is literally the man right now and is probably the most over person in, in the Fed, um,
1: like all like not wrestling, thing. like wrestling skill is one thing. And she yeah,
0: has that right. but all around performance wise. She's the best in the main roster right now. I mean, she just has so much momentum, and she gets uh, was a broken nose, her face busted open, gets a concussion. And so she's out of the Survivor Series on Sunday. And I got some heat for it on Sunday. I mean, the fans were booing the crap out of her and unlike roman reigns when the fans were booing the crap out of him and they still had him be like the big babyface hero like let's just ignore the fans we'll get them to, we'll, we'll get the fans to do what we want eventually the difference to be fair is roman yeah. reigns didn't break like, Daniel Bryan's face and knock him out of the show. He beat The Undertaker <laughs> and starts saying, this is my yard now. Yeah, but that's that's you different, know, though. He didn't, he didn't,
1: like, botch a match and injure the guy that everybody actually right. loved on right. their ascent. No, no, fair enough. Like, but Daniel Bryan wins the championship. Oh, Roman Reigns killed him. No, that was actually Kane that, that did that, that so there right. you
0: go. But Nia uh, Jax still breaks Becky and then gets heat for it and then just welcomes it. Yeah. So I like that. I'm glad they're not, you know, I'm glad they're going the way they're going. Letting, you know, I let her be the heel, calling her the hashtag facebreaker and blowing on her fist and playing off it. You know, like, you know, unfortunately, you know, Becky suffers for it, but Nia's. is. Getting over in the heat yeah. that they need. Well, Becky needs heels to go against too. I she, mean, that's the thing. Yeah.
1: As much as she's she's not like that ambiguous. Like they made her a heel, but she's too over to. She's she's Steve Austin right now. Right. Exactly. They made her a heel, but no one wants her to be a heel. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what that's what Steve Austin was. And yeah. It was fantastic. And the more they didn't try to turn uh, him babyface, right, and just let him be. A dirty heel, good guy. Yeah. It was great. You yep. know, and that's, that's where Becky Lynch is. But she needs some some dichotomy of like, you know, somebody that we can hate like Nia Jax right yep. now and something, you know, yep. go up against somebody that we love, which I don't know who to say that is right now. Um, yeah. I mean, Regardless, she's a great yeah. place. But yeah, that match ultimately, it didn't surprise me what they did. Um, I think they did it fairly well. I was glad to see that Asuka was the, the last one yep. to go up against Nia. Nia basically, uh, played real dirty even to beat Asuka because even though she sacrificed her own teammate, yeah. she did it to make Asuka vulnerable even though Asuka right. got that
0: pin. Right. And uh, Well, she got the, the Asuka lock and submitted um, uh, Sasha Banks and then attacked Asuka while she was still down, dropping yep. three big leg drops.
1: Yeah, she was pretty vicious about it. Like, that was done pretty well. Yeah. So I, I hope that they keep doing that well. Um, you know, I, of course, would have loved to see Asuka win that, but it also yeah. – you know, like we talk about pushes. She was the sole survivor last year for Team. Oscar she was, won yeah. the Women's Royal Rumble. At some point, if you keep on winning those matches and they don't push you further, it, it just kills sense. you. Yeah. You know, so like I, I don't care that she lost. Like her losing in that match gives her opportunity to do something with it going forward.
0: So hopefully, yeah. I mean, hopefully they do. She's, she's like she's she's my absolute favorite female. I, I still player. want to see Asuka against Ronda Rousey. Yeah. You know, when Becky was walking up and down the line to tonight to pick her replacement, when she got to Oscar, the crowd popped. Yeah, I heard about that. You yeah. Know? So, um, all right, so Intercontinental Champ Seth Rollins defeated Nakamura, the U.S. champ. Again, like I was saying earlier, to me, these guys didn't mesh well. It's kind of like watching Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels. Two of the best in the world ever, and yet when they had their matches against each other, the exactly. WrestleMania match, it yeah. just wasn't good. Yeah. Sometimes you
1: you do something in a similar type of way. I don't yeah. know if that's the case with Nakamura and Rollins, but I think that was the case with Sean yeah. uh, and, and Perfect. They both sold really well. Yes. They needed somebody to make them sell a little more. They didn't sell as much. You know, It didn't right. quite work out, but yeah. um, that was uh, – so what happened after the women's match? I was trying to fast forward to the next match. It jumped to live, uh-huh. and I would rewind a little bit. And literally, every time I stopped rewinding to check where it was, was the end of whatever match it was. Yeah. So I saw the winner with no action. <laughs> it hit every match that way. So like, screw this. I jumped live.
0: Uh, then we got AOP, the Raw Tag Team Champs, against the Bar SmackDown Tag Team Champs. And um, all right, so at one point in the match, AOP was doing the thing where they're beating up. Uh, um, Cesaro and you know like they're going basically like jaw jack at Sheamus to get him to come in the ring and then the ref goes and stops Sheamus and they double team Cesaro for behind the ref's back or fake attack or whatever is is they're going to do well in this case the ref was out of position one of the AOP was jaw jacking Sheamus Sheamus stepped in the ring like he's supposed to ref's not there so like there's still jaw if I Sheamus popped him one you know what I mean and then finally the ref ran over and separated but it's like it would, that To me, I was like, oh, finally. like They didn't just stand there yelling at each other. He's like, well, no, I'm going to hit you because you're in my face. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? That's I'm, that's who I am. I got to say,
1: between both shows this weekend, there were yeah. some moments like that where stuff just didn't time out well yep. that were handled properly like that. You know, When when the yep. queue wasn't in place, well, yep. it's not there.
0: Let me do what I was going to do. Exactly. Um, overall, uh, I mean, that was a good, believable cover than the Miss acting is what I mean. Um, but overall, I wasn't, uh the, uh, the match wasn't great. The finish of Drake's supposed to be pissing his pants and the little gimmick he had to make it look like he peed didn't work, but everyone's still standing around waiting, waiting, waiting. And then, you know, finally like, a little trickle of color comes on his pants and he's like, oh no, I peed myself. And then they get the pin with the uh, neckbreaker powerbomb combo on Sheamus and, and, uh, I don't know. That just sounds like something that I'm not sad I didn't go back and watch. Yeah, no, you saved yourself. Uh, I do have. a – I do have. A, uh, I, I think this is what they should do. Between you have the bar now with Big Show. Basically, they're kind of like a trio. You got Lucha House Party. You got Sanity. You got the, uh, the the New Day. I think what they need to do is on Raw, on one of the shows, let's say on Raw, they take the name of the title. It's not the Raw Tag Team Championships. It's the WWE World Tag Team Championship, and then on SmackDown. They call them the WWE World Six-Man Tag Team Championship. And you have two different tag divisions. You have the, the regular standard two-team tag division, and then you have your trios. And I think that'll make it more interesting. Yeah, they could do more with it. And they, they could do more with it. And like by adding a six-man tag team title, you're adding a new element to the mix. I mean, New Japan, when they run their shows, they have a lot of multi-man matches. And the way they do this is they can have like a five-on-five match, and you can have one guy on each side that kind of hate each other, and they they finally have contact at one point during the match, but it's not enough to settle anything. But it's enough to keep the story going. Yeah, and that's kind of what's important. And the, but the other thing is, New Japan has the, that WWE doesn't is New Japan has factions, tons of factions. Like back in the day, when WWE had D.O.A. and Los Bariquas, and you know DX, and and you know on and on and on, they had a lot of factions. Well, they don't, but like everyone is on a team somewhere in New Japan. You know, you have Taguchi. you have. Um, Chaos, you have Bullet Club, you have The Elite, you have Suzuki-Goon. I mean, there's there's tons of factions in New Japan, so they can have these multi-man matches. Oh, you have uh, LIJ. So, But anyways, I think if they mixed it up and they put a six-man tag team on one show and a regular tag team on the other, I think it would help. It would give a different dynamic, which yeah. I think
1: that they can use. They're doing too much the same thing right. all over the place. And
0: I mean, you look at the two brands, and essentially you have the Cruiserweights on 205 Live. And then you have Raw and SmackDown each have uh, like a, a top singles title, a secondary singles title, a tag team title, and a women's title. If they mixed it up, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be a little bit better. They, now, for the first time ever, they have enough women on the roster between the shows that they can merit having two singles women's titles. As opposed to back in the day when they had the Divas title, the women's title, and they only had, you know, six wrestlers. <laughs> but I still see them gearing, making a, a women's tag team title. At some point, too. Which, in that case, then you put, like, you have a singles women's championship on one show and a tag team women's championship on the other.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they should do something like that and mix it up some more and give a reason for wrestlers to cross shows right? for opportunities for right. different titles and whatnot. I mean, there's this whole, like, you know, the, the draft and whatever. You're on Raw, you're not on SmackDown. Why does that matter so much? It's fine. Like, you're on the Raw roster, but well, you're in... The W, like you're in the WWE, so yes, I'm, I'm on the Raw roster as my primary place, but why can't I go over here and wrestle sometimes?
0: Well, I like the split aspect of it because then you fall into the part where then, like, say Roman Reigns is your top guy or Seth Rollins or Dean Ambrose, and now both shows are featuring the same guy.
1: But, but see, Raw, say Raw features Roman Reigns, we keep him there. He He's the guy on that yeah. show. He doesn't need to go anywhere else. But what does it matter if, like, Bobby Roode goes from SmackDown oh, over I to, see, to Raw to saying. compete for the IC title or something like that? I see like what you're that, saying. You know? yeah. Keep the top guy where he is, yeah. but, like, there's no reason that you can't shuffle other stuff around so without it being a roster change.
0: Right. I got what you're saying. Uh, next match up, we got Cruiserweight Championship, the only match, actually, uh, the only title defended on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddy Murphy against Mustafa Ali. It was a great match.
1: I, I will go back and watch that one. I did miss I it mean, in my, and I, guess, I don't actually know who won that one either.
0: Okay, th- this was genuinely a really good match.
1: Mm-hmm. I like Buddy Murphy. That yeah. when he won the title, that was great. And of course, it was, uh, you yeah. know, like in his neck of the woods, the pop was awesome. Oh, it's always yeah. great to hear that. It
0: really is. But yeah, great match though. Uh, Team Raw against Team SmackDown, but twenty-four minutes. Uh, Team Raw won with. Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, and Bobby Lashley surviving. That match was just awful. Uh, here's the thing: basically, like at the end of the day, SmackDown lost, as they say, six to nothing. Even though they won the tag match on the pre-show on the actual pay-per-view card, SmackDown lost all their matches. Does, why? What, what, what good does that do?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, last year they the whole story, and this shows how bad their storytelling is. The whole story of the whole show last year was that. It was even at the end, and then the, it was the, the yeah. Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match that decided it, right? Yeah. So, but it ruined like the, the AJ-Lesnar match because you knew who was going to win right. it because Lesnar had to win it for it to be even. Right. So this year, okay, well, we did that last year. Let's have some genius storytelling now and do the opposite. Just right. have it be a runaway. Of course, it's going to be Raw that's the runaway because that's where we put all the um, the you know outside of wrestling. You know, SmackDown really is treated like the B-Show. Yeah, and the thing is in, and this assumes it. Even In more the Survivor fun. Series match, Smackdown were those were the only competitors that made that any good. I mean, Shane with his like coast to coast is I mean, yeah. as much as I was annoyed about Shane winning that that crap, ah. yeah, that yeah. was awful. And, you know, I have my my issues with the level of competition that Shane gives people. Yeah. He put on probably the best show in that match. Yeah. No, it, it, it was good. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the best part. Um, I was hoping that the infighting with Raw would lead to them losing the match. Me too. And it really should have. Yeah. I mean, when uh, – I, I can't remember exactly what happened. Uh, uh, Drew decked Braun or something like – like, they started hitting each other. Yeah. Like, you should have, like, one of those guys but keep shot the where, other and, and is, make them lose. This
0: is where it doesn't make sense. They start beating each other up, and the SmackDown guys jump in and run into the fray? Why don't they just stand there and watch it? Yeah. Go and beat each other up. So, yeah. Um, Ronda Rousey defeated Charlotte Flair by disqualification. They went almost fifteen minutes. Um, okay. Again, Ronda Rousey continues to surprise me every time she's in the ring. I I,
1: you can't dislike Ronda for the position she's being put in because she's she's doing good things.
0: (laughs) Like a lot of times when they bring in somebody. And they stick them into a position they're in, put them on their main cot roster right away or or put them in the main event spot right away whatever it is. And you're just like, ah, yeah, but they suck still, you know, like they're there because of their name and, and what they bring and their celebrity status, if you will. But they're not very good in the ring. So why are they here? That's not the case with Ronda. No. In my opinion.
1: No, her, her performance is amazing. It really is.
0: I am I, genuinely surprised how well she does every time she gets in the ring. Mm-hmm. And it really it shows somebody who... I mean, look at Shayna Baszler, who isn't bad by any means. No. But Shayna Baszler was wrestling before NXT. And now she's been in NXT, if you will, for a year and a half, let's just say. She really kind of made her big debut of the May Young Classic of 2017. But she's been wrestling on the, she was wrestling on the independent circuit for a couple of years prior to that, going to Japan, working Shimmer, you know, around the independents and everything. Um, and yet, Ronda essentially has been wrestling since April. Uh, and if, you know, Baszler wasn't where Ronda was at, in six months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even after six months of being in WWE, she wasn't where Ronda was. Yeah. And I'm just, that's the comparison of two people coming from the MMA world into the wrestling world. And and I, I, I'm not saying, I like, Basil does a great job now, you know. But, um, yeah. So, for me, it was, I'm just shocked every time I see her in the ring. And it shows how much she appreciates wrestling and, and actually loves wrestling and how hard she's working. And she sells really good. I know people make all oh, her facial expressions and that badass look, and her nose is flaring up, and on and on and on. I get that, but
1: I see nothing wrong with any of that. I think, I think honestly, just, I think a lot of that is yeah. is is honestly right. judging a woman for looking like like making facial expressions like a man, right? Like I think is that kind of stuff. Like she's not being feminine enough or something. Like right. that's the kind of I crap know, I, get I just from that.
0: I'm just genuinely always surprised how well she does in the ring. Yeah. And this match with Charlotte was great. It was one of
1: my favorite things that they did in this match. Yeah. was when uh, when Rhonda was getting she, you know, she's getting ready to put on the arm bar. So she's yeah. doing her cocky, ballsy, like you ready to see me do this kind yeah. of thing, you know. And every other time she does that, what
0: does she do? She does off the arm bar and taps. It out. cost yep. her. Yep. This time it cost her. Yep. Yes.
1: Yep. Because she was going up against one of the best. And, and it cost her, and uh, I loved that they did that. Um, yep. Like that—that that to me was a, a more important moment than in, in some of the highlights that came after it. Yes. That made this match quite interesting.
0: Um, and then, of course, Charlotte draws the DQ when she takes a kendo stick and cracks Rhonda with it as she's running around the ring after her. And, and this is why you shouldn't have those just lying under the ring like that. Seriously, people. why
1: do you have a kendo stick under the ring?
0: Um, but then Charlotte proceeds to give Rhonda a massive beat down and this is where Rhonda's kind of inexperience came into play she didn't just lay there and take it she kind of rolled around was trying to sell it i'm trying to move out of the way and this and that and she got wrapped around the head pretty hard with one shot by doing that on the floor i don't know if you saw that or not but her cauliflower ear got busted open she had a big mark on her face from it and everything even she took a lot
1: of her shots
0: yeah i mean charlotte went to fucking town on her and then the whole chair spot at the end you know and yeah and ultimately like you know, People want to pay a lot of dues in that match, perhaps, but at the same time, uh, she took a beating. Mm-hmm. She took a massive beating, and to her credit, she took that beating for the story of it all. And you know Charlotte's going to get a receipt down the line, because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way they're not having another match at some point. No. Um, I think this is going to lead to the four-horsewoman of MMA against the four-horsewoman of wrestling. It makes
1: sense. I mean, that's one of the things. So this is where my conspiracy
0: theory. Hold on, real quick, one more thing. Because they teased that at the Mae Young Classic in two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. and now you have all three of the other ones. You know, Shayna and the other two on NXT, which we saw on NXT Saturday night. So I mean, like they're in the they're in NXT as well, and they're getting a name. And so I could see the four Horsemen against the four Horsemen. Unfortunately, four horsemen of wrestling in a wrestling match are head and shoulders above the four horsemen from the, of the MMA world. Oh yeah. You know, as far as match talent-wise. It'd be kind of like, if they had a Survivor Series match, it'd be kind of like when the Hart Brothers had a Survivor Series match. You had Brent and Owen, which everyone knew were great. And then you had, what, Keith and Ross? <laughs> or Bruce and Keith, or whatever. And you're like, who are these fucking guys? Yeah, but they want to get Shawn Michaels and some Knights. Yeah, 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 I know, right? <laughs> you know the Knights? I mean, I know Greg Valentine was one of the Knights. Like uh, Greg Valentine, Barry Horowitz, and I, I can't remember who the other one was. Yeah. But anyways, so... Before we get to your conspiracy theory, uh, main event, Brock Lesnar against Daniel Bryan. Brock Lesnar with the win. They went like 18, almost 19 minutes. So
1: that match, obviously I wanted Daniel Bryan to win. Me watch. too, me too. Uh, I thought that match was pretty darn well done.
0: I, I did not enjoy the 10-minute beatdown at the nope. beginning. I thought that was too much. It was
1: unenjoyable, especially because I had a great fear that it would just end with that.
0: Yeah, me too. Um I think I think if they would have cut out, if they would have done two minutes of beatdown and then the rest of the match the way they did it and only gone ten minutes, I think it would have been a better match.
1: I do too. Yeah, the, the beatdown um, went too long.
0: It be, yeah, just, it I just mean, it dragged on way too long.
1: It is. Yeah, it essentially got boring. I yeah, mean, it wasn't like when Brock did that to Cena at SummerSlam. Yeah. You, it wasn't so bad that it was long because you legitimately thought Cena was going to come back and from then he it, didn't. Yeah, and he never did. But Daniel Bryan's not seen us, <laughs> no, so it, no. like if they go that but, route with it, it just leaves you sick.
0: I did love the fact that we're seeing vicious heel Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. He wins the title on SmackDown last week. He's doing the stomps again. He hasn't done those since his Ring of Honor days, where he holds the guy by yeah. the wrist and stomps that on him. That is a great vicious dude. When he brought it. that back against AJ, I was like, yeah. And then when he did it to Brock, yeah. Brock took him. Yeah, like AJ was kind of turning away, and like you know Daniel Bryan lost. Brock just took it. I was, I was just like, holy shit. Like, I guess kudos for sticking in there,
1: but he yeah. took a whooping. Yeah, that's the thing. And, you know, Brock sells well when he – When he wants stew. to? Yeah. Brock can sell really well. He he took a, a nut shot from Daniel Bryan. Yeah. He took those stomps. He took the knees. He even took the uh, the yes lock well. Yeah. And I know that that ended up being the end of the match when he, like, stood up. That
0: was such a that. cool reversal, though. Popped yeah. him up, you know, like, somehow took him from the yes lock, lifted him up into the F5 position. I mean, that was cool. Yeah, it was well done. And, yeah. like,
1: of course we wanted Daniel Bryan to win, but to say anything negative about how that match went. Other than. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was, for the, what it was, it was. The opening
0: down. I thought yeah. was too long, but then once Daniel Bryan got some offense in, I thought the match was fantastic.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, basically once he started getting the offense, he yeah. was just whooping on Brock. But the thing is. Brock is how much bigger than him? It's oh, yeah. very believable for Twice Brock to big, if not bigger, take, take one big move to, to yeah. finish that match off.
0: But I was some of the scuttlebutt I was reading beforehand is the reason why they took the title off AJ and put it on, on, on uh, Daniel Bryan is because AJ's contract expires at the end of December. They've been trying to get him to renegotiate, and he hasn't. Um, he wants a three, allegedly. He wants a three-year deal that's got some reduced schedule. WWE wants him on a five-year full-time schedule. So they haven't come to terms. And so the thought was like, all right, well, allegedly, the main event of WrestleMania 35 was supposed to be Daniel Bryan against uh, AJ Styles with the heel turn finish and Daniel getting the win. That was originally, the allegedly, the <laughs> WrestleMania 35 finish. Well, they moved it up to SmackDown, got the title off of AJ, put it on Daniel Bryan, because they don't know what's going to happen with AJ, allegedly. Yeah, now
1: if they if they make a contract deal with him, right. they can go, still go to WrestleMania right. and have those, too. Well,
0: now rumor is they're trying to lure AJ in with a contract, you know, to signing again by offering him a match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania.
1: And Shawn Michaels said he never wants to wrestle again.
0: Well, that's true. <laughs> but at the same time, he said that eight years ago when he did. Yeah. So who knows? You never know. Exactly. Um. But anyways, this is the first time the WWE Championship has made invented a pay-per-view since, like, mid-2016. Yeah, it's always been the universal title or a non or or another match. Yeah, which is crazy because to me, I, the WWE Championship is still the top title in the, in the promotion to me. Yeah, and yet it seems to be the, the mid card championship. It's, it's
1: just like the, the you know back in the day before they had split brands and they only had like the championship, the Intercontinental Championship. Right. The Intercontinental Championship is always the one with the most talented guys putting on the best shows. I, that's what uh, you know the world yeah. title is. Uh, is yeah. you know I mean AJ held it for over a year. Yep. You know, and, I was happy he did. Yeah, as as much as, like, we, you know, we can get frustrated about certain things. Like, the thing is, like, main card WWE is giving us our niche also. Yeah. You know, I mean, expecting them to, to main event the shows all the time or something like that. I mean, it would be nice if they did it. But, you know, the the fact of the matter is, like, we, we don't see that belt on gender anymore. And they we could be getting crap like that, you know, so... We went from, uh, from AJ to uh, to Daniel Bryan, so not much. To not a bad about change. Yeah. Now they just need to move Finn over to SmackDown so he can get in that picture and not keep on wasting him on Raw. Yeah.
0: So what's your conspiracy theory?
1: Okay, so the, when I, the, the Ronda match, the beating she took, uh, you, you've been reading mm. Becky Lynch's tweets and Ronda's trying to smack talk yeah. Becky and Becky completely owns her. Becky's um, owning everybody. Yeah, right yeah, but I mean, she's owned her hard. Yeah, because uh, Rhonda made a comment, and then Becky made a comment about how Rhonda disappeared for a year last right. time she got her face broken. I think the reason they, a big part of the reason they did that is Becky got the attention she got getting her face broken. It was an accident. Yep, and she owned it and took it. And I, I don't, I don't think Vince and the writers like it when somebody gets over themselves. I think they try to derail it and do. They want to show like our writing is what is successful. Uh, and I think they're uh, they're trying to take some of that momentum from Becky and give it to Rhonda by giving her that beating and showing that she could take, it, and then also showing that Rhonda could take a beating and not go disappear.
0: Oh, that you know what? I guess that does make sense that she can take a beating and not disappear. Yeah, yeah. So I mean,
1: now Becky can't talk quite the same trash because Rhonda. I mean, she she took a vicious beating. You could see the welts and the the.
0: Oh game, yeah uh, no no she definitely took a vicious yeah career. and no doubt about that
1: yeah you know, so she she's shown yeah. that she could do that and she got up and she she wasn't I, I hate it when somebody takes a beating like that and they they're they're like just a crying mess like that's been one of my complaints to get about Charlotte since she's been the face and Becky's been the heel this is like she's crying all the time man not so much now in yeah. that match I like, get the dichotomy that you know everything is changing now yeah but when Charlotte was the face like she's crying all the time yeah
0: Weren't she like a badass? Not that long. Well, ago? okay, so emotions sometimes get the better of you. But during that Ronda Rousey Charlotte match, they were both crying at one point. Oh yeah. Before the beater, it was done you know differently then. yeah. But I don't know, like, um, my wife came home from her uh, came home from the thing she was at Sunday night. Uh, I was waiting for her to get home so I could go to work, and it was right at the end of the Ronda Rousey Charlotte match. So she came in and sat down, and she was kind of watching the end of it, and then she watches Charlotte just laying it into Rhonda, and my wife's like oh my god why i don't even get this why do you enjoy this like watching her emotional reaction to her i was just like this is your reaction this is what they're going for like mm-hmm. i thought it was great yeah
1: it's i think they're trying to control some of the yeah i mean yeah. obviously they have future plans for stuff and obviously they have big plans for yeah. Rhonda. i think that they're trying to gain a little bit of control back from the uh you know what What Becky has done on her own. Right. You know, but which you know.
0: Zack Ryder, Long Island Ice-T, uh, Long Island Ice-Z, a uh, YouTube show he had. And then, you know, Internet Champion. He builds a following. He gets a U.S. title run. They move his Internet show from his channel on YouTube to the WWE channel on YouTube. Oh, and then it just basically goes down the shitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. uh, let's talk about the big show of the weekend, NXT TakeOver. Yeah. Four games. Holy crap. Uh, we got five matches, only four advertised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the surprise matches we get uh, Matt Riddle against Casher which I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be awesome!" Like I was geared up to like I was excited for this. This match is going to kick ass. This is going to be awesome, and it's only seven seconds long, and yet I still wasn't disappointed. No, yeah, because it was... it's a quick, it's a quick knock, flash knockout pin. You know, uh, the way Cassius sold it afterwards, kept trying to get up to go at him and falling down and this and that and everything. And just, yeah, the whole way it was done. It's like, Oh, good. We have a self built in second match between these two.
1: Yeah. And it was done
0: well. They're
1: supposed to wrestle on NXT this week. Yep. So that's setting that up. Well, I like Matt Riddle too. I like the real character, but I mean, I come from Southern California. riding bros like that. Um, so like I get a kick out of him. Um, You know, I've I've shared with you that Cash is ono. Like, I've seen... You've shown me other matches of... I mean, Chris Hero,
0: almost three years ago, January uh, 2016, Limitless Wrestling, Orono Main. Yeah, yeah. Snowy Blizzard, January night, we got Zach Sabre Jr. and Chris Hero, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen live. Exactly, yeah. So, like, I know what he can do, and in NXT, he's done nothing.
1: Like, he's... And I like he's put over guys that needed to get put over. Like maybe that's kind of his maybe role. maybe that's what now. his role is Keep now. Up. You know, I really want to see him, uh, and I think this is an opportunity for him to go out there and like really yeah. have one of his matches yeah. with a guy that is uh, the right style for it. Even if he ends up putting Riddle over in the end, like I want to see him go out there and and show what he could do because like up till now he
0: he hasn't really the um the big things in Los California guys because this match was in Los Angeles. Yeah as uh, they were like, oh, welcome to PWG Takeover. Welcome to PWG War Games, because in the War Games match, every one of those wrestlers had been in PWG, <laughs> popular PWG, basically. And then, like, Ciampa did some PWG experiences. Johnny Organo did. Alistair Black is Tommy End. Uh, Matt Riddle, Cassius they are both in PWG. The only three people on the card that had never been in PWG, essentially, was Baszler, Kari Sane, and, and Velveteen Dream. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Opening match was the women's title match. Uh, Two out of three falls, Shauna Baszler against Kari Sane. Uh, Straight away, they went 11 minutes. Two out of three falls matches to me are like half-hour matches, not 10-minute matches. Yeah. But the way they did the falls sort of made sense. Yeah. Like, it was 11 minutes of fast chaos, and it was done well. Yeah, they did it well. It was a
1: good match. I didn't like the result. Um, Right. I really like Kari Sane. Yep. Uh I I didn't like that there I mean the outside interference is one thing, but yeah. like for them to come out for the first fall and oh, interfere for the whole match seconds, and the ref yeah. and not kick them out yeah. was stupid. Yeah. For um you know, Kari Sane's backup to not come out after that first interference didn't make a ton of sense to me.
0: Um I liked how we got to see Dakota Kai come out and kick Jesse Whatever right in the face. Yeah. Like Hard as shit. Like, yeah. boom! Because the the first girl there, Roger Strawn's wife, I can't think of her name. You know, Dakota Kai hits her from behind. She essentially no-sells it. And then goes and kicks the other girl in the face who has no choice but to sell it. Um, <laughs> if you're going to no-sell, you're going <laughs> to... Yeah. And then Io uh, then Shirai comes out. and hits the most beautiful... That was fantastic. I like her, her a lot, moonsault. too.
1: We talked about see, the, uh, yeah. the end of the May Young classic uh, last time we recorded, but... yeah. Um, to, uh, I like Tony Storm a lot, so I was still happy she won. But yeah. I, I really liked Yo Sheree, uh, so I was glad to see her out there doing stuff and not just that moonsault, dude. Yeah, so good. That was a beautiful. Yeah, you know, there's always something moonsault. about seeing uh, seeing people you usually see in their in you know their costume essentially yeah. in street clothes, yeah, doing their thing. Like it's yeah. it's kind of cool,
0: you know. But, uh, yeah, she cried out in her 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 jeans and t shirt and boots or whatever, and just threw a. Most beautiful like seriously, the most beautiful moonsault I've seen in a long time. It was fantastic. That wasn't Christopher Daniels, you know? Yeah, so it yeah so
1: Shana gets the first fall because yeah. of cheating. Yeah. Uh Kyrie gets the second fall because she's awesome. sorry yeah. Um and then the way Shana got the third one, yeah. It was still because of interference. Yeah. Uh even though it wasn't direct interference right. in that moment. Yeah. Um it wasn't a bad ending, and and one of the things I liked is that when she rolled her up out of the elbow drop like yeah. that. She pinned her. Oh
0: yeah, like yeah. Kari was trying to kick out, and she looked like she. She looked like she was trying. Could to kick not get out. out. Oh. That was well done. The other thing too is if you think about it, when Kari Sane beat Basler for the title, she beat her by reversing Baszler's finish and holding her down with the pin. Mm-hmm. Baszler pinned Kari in this in this match, basically reversed Kari's finish, the big insane elbow mm-hmm. for the pin. So. I thought that was kind of a little apropos fitting. Yeah. Enjoyed it.
1: Um, it was well done. I mean, I yeah. I, ultimately, I, I, I was disappointed with the ending because I did not get the winner. Exactly. I but you know what? As, uh, as a wrestling fan who like knows that this isn't...
0: Right, know, right, right. Whatever. Right. Um, it's nice to feel that way sometimes. Yes, absolutely. This was a great match. And it was the, quote, unquote, worst match on the card. Yep. Like, worst match on NXT. And it was...
1: Maybe second best on Survivor Series, right. like, at worst. I mean,
0: this is – and again, I know we've talked about in the past. I know we've said this in the past. I don't want to be beating a dead horse. But what works with NXT is the fact that they have a one-hour show, and then they build four months to this one card. And then they have four, five, six matches that are, you know, marquee key matches on the card. So anyways, uh, Alistair Black and Johnny Gargano. I absolutely fucking loved it. That was great. I like Alistair Black a lot and yep. Johnny Gargano –
1: He's so Roderick Strong. I never really like he was vanilla until he joined uh, Undisputed Undisputed. Undisputed Era. Uh, Johnny Gargano was a little less vanilla, but like when it was DIY, they were boring. Like see, they, I, and, I love Gargano on the indies. Yeah, but see, I had no knowledge of Gargano and this is, or, and this or is, Ciampa. And this is what
0: we're seeing is, you know... Yeah, and
1: now, so, like, I had no knowledge of either of them. Like, in most of the cases, I don't have a knowledge of any of these indie guys until they're actually there right. competing in NXT. Right. Um, so, Gargano and DIY, he and Ciampa were both boring to me. Okay. Like, okay, you can wrestle, big deal. Same thing with Roderick Strong. You start to, to tweak with the, their characters. Like, Gargano, ever since the break with DIY has just been getting better and better and better in this last turn is just like
0: But if you look at Gargano going. for the last say two years in NXT, the guy that's been having consistently one of the best the best matches on the cards is mm-hmm. Gargano. Yeah. First, as a tag team with DIY, the singles match they had against each other at the Cruiserweight Classic. Yep. Okay. Uh, their tag matches like with the Revival. Yep. Uh, Then their matches against each other, Chapa and Gargano's matches against Mm -hmm. each other. Gargano's match with Andre Cien Almas, matches with him. And now this match with Aleister Black, I mean, it's told a great story. And for the first time, I was actually rooting against Gargano. Yep. I wanted Black to get the – like, Black deserved – You know, Gargano deserved to get his head kicked in for what he did. And the match was great. They told an amazing story. And I loved the finish where he hits the, the black mass. And Gargano falls, you know, face forward onto onto Alistair Black's chest. And then I don't know verbatim what he said. I think he said, like, I absolve you of your sins. <laughs> and then he kicked him with the black mask again. And that was the end of one, two, three. I mean, that was a fantastic finish. It was. Loved it. Um, Tommaso Champ against Velveteen Dream. I didn't have a lot of high hopes for this match. It was a damn good match. Tommaso got the best of Black Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But, again, another great match, another great series of finish. Multiple times, I actually thought Velveteen Dream was going to win the title. Yeah.
1: They sold it well. And I got to say, this is the pr- – so I wanted Ciampa to win.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which almost every time Velveteen Dream has wrestled, yeah. I've wanted to see him do well but lose. Yes. Uh, the only exception was actually the time he won, which was against EC3, who yeah. I think has done no reason to make me care about him so far. Yeah. Um, but, once again, the, the best part is, like, Ciampa – like, did you ever feel like Ciampa was the underdog against Gargano? No. Like, even when Gargano was on top. No, like, No, I didn't. Uh, even Ciampa against Alistair Black, did you feel like he was an underdog? No. Nope. No. He felt like he was, yeah. Uh, yeah. was the underdog in this match. And I don't necessarily think Velveteen Dream's rep yeah. has sold that, but his performance sold it.
0: That's the thing, is like... Velveteen Dream, his whole gimmick of, of, of who his character is, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. And then I watch him in the ring, and I'm like, wow, he's really good. Yeah. And then with each passing match, each passing takeover match, excuse me, it's like, oh, he's getting better and better and better and better. He's and, honing his character a lot. He may be the first NXT-created wrestler who wins a title. Yeah. Because everyone else that's won the NXT Championship, which I think it's funny you didn't know Bo Dallas was the champion.
1: I, yeah. I don't know anything about NXT history really before, Probably prior to the TakeOver started um, happening, yeah. E- like, even a little bit of the TakeOver, I think. Yeah. But, like, uh, I think that the first one I was even conscious of was Kevin Owens taking the belt from Sami Zayn. Okay. So everything before that, like, I just didn't okay. even know. And then I, I was randomly watching an old, uh, either an old TakeOver or just an old NXT, and they mentioned Bo Dallas being the champion. I was like, what?
0: Because
1: <laughs> he's a joke on the main card?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It was good. I was very surprised how great this match was. I yeah. enjoyed the hell out. Of it. I, I honestly
1: I wasn't surprised. Uh, Velveteen Dream is great. He's worked really well with everybody. Yep. Uh, he sells really well, but also it doesn't oversell. Like Dolph's an example where Dolph sells really well, but he yeah. oversells a lot too, and it starts to dilute it. Yeah, it kind of takes away from the old yeah, performance. I don't think Velveteen Dream does that. Right. I think he's honed his character a lot and he's less over the top in a lot of ways. Like yep. he used to be irritating to listen to even though yep. like you could see the thing starting to form. Yep. I think he's toned it down in some ways and pushed it in other ways. Like it makes me think of uh the first time like so they came out with the, the Becky Lynch collection going back yep. and watching her come out dancing a goddamn jig. Like, yeah, I know,
0: right?
1: <laughs> it's like you see it like that is awful. How yep. could anybody like this? Right. It's like Velveteen Dream when he was first starting with his character, it was pretty irritating because it was yep. too much. It was yes. goofy. He's really honing it a lot and oh, yeah. a lot better with it. Um, so now it's like it's. I still like rock, you know when the Rock was first starting, like oh, he was God,
0: that Rocky Maya with his bird nest hair. Yeah, pie. and then he started it's like, like yeah, dropping yeah. some of the
1: goofiness. He start he was honing some of the stuff he did didn't work out as well as other things, yeah. and he would lose it and like hone in on the things that worked well. Velveteen Dream is is legit and he's gonna like he's gonna keep on yep. ascending because he can do it all and he's getting
0: better at it like that's the I, biggest uh, thing is he's getting better at it. i did like uh Chompa giving him a kiss on the cheek at the end that just seemed like a smarmy asshole healy thing to do so chop was great uh
1: him loosening his his boot like you knew at some yes. point that'd have to come into play it ear so the announcers there's maro who we know is great oh. there is uh 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 Nigel McGinnis. He's pretty good. And, and then the uh, other guy. Yeah, I can't think of his name right now. Who just shouldn't have been talking. Yeah. He, he's relieving the swelling in his knee by unlacing his boot. Why not talk about the rest of his leg? He has yeah. pain in his leg. Right. You don't remove, reduce swelling in your knee by loosening your boot. That's not how legs work. Percy not, Watson. Yeah. Percy Watson. I do not like his yeah, commentary. I'm not a big fan of him. Um, it, that was the only thing that was annoying me during that match. Like, just talk about his legs in pain. Like, his whole leg is in pain. He has a bad knee. Like, I've had physical problems, like if you have a bad knee, your ankle's going to hurt too. Your whole leg's getting beat up, like you're just trying to relieve the pain. What are you going to do, take your knee brace off during a match? No, you're relieving what you can relieve. Exactly. Sell it believably. Um, But that match was great. Absolutely great. War Games match. It
0: was okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 47 minutes. Good Lord. Traditional War Games match, 2 men start, five-minute period, and then every three minutes after that, a new new person enters until we get to the actual. Back in the day, it was called War Games was the beginning, and then once they were all in the ring, it was then called The Match Beyond, and you couldn't have a finish until everyone was in it. Mm -hmm. Well, they kept that up. You couldn't have a finish until everyone was in it, and the actual War Games didn't start until Pete Dunne got in the ring. Mm -hmm. So you had two teams, the Undisputed Era, love the Undisputed they Era. They're the yeah. horsemen of this generation. They really are. Without trying to be the horsemen, without, you know That's why alluding it's good. to they are the horsemen, they just are.
1: Yeah, you don't you don't sell yourself by telling people how it like the Ascension.
0: Yes we're better than L O D nobody's horsemen. ever gonna like you now. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Adam Cole Bobby Fish Kyle O'Reilly Roderick Strong All four of these guys Are over All four of them go, Are awesome together Yeah um, And I love The Undisputed Eras Entrance music
1: Their music's good Oh my goodness. Even, even down to the when That goes boom It yeah. doesn't
0: matter Who's come out
1: They stop and go boom Yeah Adam Cole points to Yeah himself. Adam Cole yeah. The Adam Cole baby thing I'm- And but everyone – like, the best thing about Undisputed Era is yep. – so the, in this match, they went up against –
0: well, finish saying who was in the match, and okay. I'll say this And one. then the other team consists of the War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe, uh, Ricochet, and Pete Dunne. Yep. So Hanson and Rowe are very large.
1: <laughs> yes. So kind of like the whole Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan thing, yeah. physical size. Yep. There's no way that, like, Brock Lesnar could not just demolish Daniel Bryan if he chose to, right? Right. Basically the same thing with War Raiders and anybody on Undisputed Era. Yep. And War Raiders are very believable. They're very good at what they do, too.
0: And they made what they did believable.
1: Yep. Yeah. But the the thing that makes Undisputed Era great is they're so vicious in what they do. They're Like, they can play cowardly heels to an extent, yes. which is good, but they're so vicious in what they do and exacting
0: yes. that they can believably beat up on the War Raiders. Yeah, and when they have a huge flurry of offense against them, like you said, it's believable. Mm-hmm. So you have... Uh, it started out with Adam Cole and Ricochet. Loved it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I feel like, was it Roddy came in next? Yeah, I feel like Roddy came in next. And then uh, Hanson. And then it was Kyle O'Reilly. Or maybe Kyle O'Reilly before Roddy. And then Roe. And then uh, Bobby Fish. And I like how Bobby Fish uh, locked up uh, Pete Dunne's cage with his own locks. We couldn't get out. Yep, And then... Uh, you had pete dunn finally get in there and then when pete dunn got in there i mean holy shit all all hell just broke loose so uh again bobby fish locks up pete dunn's cage and then pete dunn finally gets out Gets down in the ring and now he brings in the plunder, the tables, the garbage cans, the kendo sticks, the chairs. Oh, the chairs were already brought in. Yeah, right.
1: by undisputed era, so it's hard to take that long doing something and not make it look. Hey, I'm setting up this spot. Let everybody just kind of chill yeah. for a minute. They did it pretty well. They did it well. All the yeah. undisputed areas guys tra- came and tried to stop him, and he yeah. like waylaid them all from yeah. the outside with the stuff he had. He had the position of uh, like the defense position where yes. you can't
0: get to me. Yeah. without getting hurt, and he hurt every single one of them. And that's the other thing. He's grabbing onto one of them, pulling them out of the cage. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you pull me out of the cage, my, I forfeit my team. Yep. So they're trying to stop themselves from getting in the cage so he can do things like stomp on their hands and hit them with the kendo stick yep. and, and everything else. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it was done in a quote-unquote believable way. He did it well, and that's not not the easiest thing to do when I you're set no, to it's not. like that. No, it's not. But, man, they, they rocked it. This match was great. We get Pete dungets in the ring, and then just... Some great craziness offense. I mean, I'm not going to break the whole thing down. Go watch yeah. the match. You had good back and forth. It yes. was believable. Yes. Uh, Undisputed Era
1: obviously had the upper hand every time, yep. but it it leveled out every time it became even because, yep. you know, you got the skill of both sides, but it always come down to like either ricochet
0: hitting something out of the blue. Oh, my God. Or... Ricochet's on top of the cage. And everyone else is in the ring because they just did that big, you know, crack, train crash. That worried me. I
1: thought somebody legit got hurt with some yes. of those reactions.
0: Um, and then they're starting to stand up. and looking at Ricochet in my brain. I'm going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He could do the double moonsault. Because, like, he and Alexander, Andrew Everett, I mean, the only 2 I've ever seen do the double moonsault, mm-hmm. um, which is they do a double backflip into a, you know, into a splash. And they've both hit the double moonsault. They've also... One guy kind of broke his neck doing a double moonsault. Not either one of those, but another guy. So I'm like, oh, my God, he can do the double moonsault. Double salt, double salt, do the double salt. Because he's landing on, you know, seven other guys. They're going to catch him. And then he did the double moonsault, and I lost my shit.
1: How does that work? He overshot it by a little bit. uh, And I was – you saw how quick the ref dove to check on him. He could have blown his knee out so easy the way he
0: landed. It was believable. Him him catching them, even the back, and them all – Oh, no. Yeah. Believable. I'm, I'm momentum, saying he overshot it. that oh, like yes. He could have hurt himself. Oh, yes. Yeah. The momentum he had going into that was crazy. That was fantastic, yeah. And he just, you know.
1: Uh, the reaction was 100% believable. Yeah. I was more worried that he overshot it enough to, to have landed straight on his feet like oh, he did. Yeah. And that he was going to have blown out a knee. I mean. The ref just, dove at him so quick to check on him. And then they went around checking
0: everybody. Bowling pin the ball right down, you know. And it was fantastic. And then after that spot, you have, like, everyone's kind of settling up. And then you realize, oh, look, all the Undisputed Air in one ring. Oh, the other team in the other. And then they, and they're they as far apart as they can be in the cage. And they all stand up. And they look at each other. And I loved it. They are just looking at each other and holding each other up. And the fans just started going. And I was getting hyped up because it's like, oh. we're 40-something minutes into this match. And they're having a standoff. Like, and then they approach each other, and they're jaw jacking, and then they all get in between the rings. And, and I love that they there. got in
1: between the ropes, and they didn't. Yeah. Like, the easy thing to do is while the other guys get down, you take yes. a cheap shot. They got in. The, they Exactly. It was great. And then they just
0: started pummeling each other. It was fantastic. I mean, you have the match you have, the eight guys you have, the weapons they used in the match. And they told a fantastic friggin' story that they built over the time of the match. It was, I I can't say enough good about it. You, you can't, I mean. You know, between War Games last year and War Games this year, like, I hope they never bring War Games to the quote-unquote main roster. I hope it, I hope it stays an NXT thing every year because yeah. it's phenomenal.
1: I don't think the main roster could do something like that. I mean, you have to have the build-up, and they've been building it up for so long. Week after week on, on NXT, yeah. they're building it up. Uh, I mean, just the last episode of NXT was the match to see who would get to, to enter get the first. Hand, yeah. And all the, the, you know, it came down to dirty play as usual yep. with uh, Undisputed Era And it, it makes you mad. I mean, like, uh know, Riley makes you want to see him get hurt so bad. <laughs> He has that arrogant, yep. cocky... He's miss, the cocky like, little yeah. shit growing up that just annoys the fuck out of you. And you
0: look at him and you're like, I could kick his ass. Yeah, I could kick his ass. Like, you legitimately... Like, I, I yeah, and ass. he
1: makes you want to, but yeah. he'd be the kid, the one time you take a swipe at him, he would, like, dodge you and make you look like an idiot. Yeah, Probably take exactly. a cheap shot at you and, and like, some, and he
0: kicked your ass. And then do
1: some air guitars,
0: he walks yep. away from you. Yeah, uh, he does yeah. it so
1: good. Yeah. Uh, I, I told you this the other day, but um, Undisputed Era, like, if you compare them to the Four Horsemen, like, first yeah. of all, what makes them great is they're not trying to compare themselves. Exactly. But you have the obvious Adam Cole is the, Rick like, Flair. the alpha dog, the Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how you'd compare the other two, but okay. I told you so that for me, Bobby Fish yeah. is Arn Anderson. Yeah, Bobby Fish is the Arn Anderson. He's the, um, you know, Arn Anderson was the enforcer, but it's like he's the, the guy who goes in there and does what needs to be done, isn't mm. trying to be glamorous, is vicious, and That's is exacting.
0: So for me, I guess if I were to compare it to like, like you said, Adam Cole's Ric Flair, Bobby Fish's Arn Anderson, I would say for me going back to the original incarnations of the Horsemen, you know, um, Adam Cole is Tully Blanchard because Tully Blanchard was that cocky. Adam Cole, uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Because uh, Tully Blanchard was that cocky, arrogant, "I'm better than you" guy who could talk shit and back it up type of thing, you know. But at the same time, he was almost kind of like the smallest guy, so he was the guy that you thought, "Oh, I can kick his ass." Of those four guys, I can kick his ass. You he, yeah, he looked the least impressive. Man, Not that Arn Anderson was I ever like a Tully physical Blanchard
1: specimen, but Blanchard Arn Anderson looked hard. I you can't
0: know? say enough how much I love Tully Blanchard. Yeah, I just want to say that he just he so to that look.
1: Like he didn't look like a threat, yeah. but he was a threat. I mean, you talked about the the Magnum TA match. So <sighs> I mean. To be able to be a part of that match, you're pretty threatening, you know. But
0: Kyle O'Reilly's the Telly Blanchard and then Roderick Strong is is the Oli, the Sid, the Barry Wyndham, the Lex Luger. He's that that fourth guy. Who isn't the intangible can be changed, but like that—that's to me who he, he kind of is. He's—he's he's that fourth. The guy. strong guy, which yeah. like he's not big, but he's strong. Right. Yes. Exactly. Like he wasn't
1: imp- for it to be believable for him to do some of the moves he did. Oh, to the, the warrior, Messiah has, of the Backbreaker. Yeah. Yeah. Like he yeah. has the strength to do that. He looked good. It would like we've seen so many times where a guy that should be stronger can hardly do some of those. Things. Right. Uh, Tyler Bate is another one like that. Oh, his strength house, yeah. is reaped. Ridiculous. Yeah. The shit that he can do, the shit that Roderick Strong can do. And that's yeah. like it's not just believable because the other guy sells it. Yeah. He
0: does that shit, you know? It's legit. There was the um there's the one spot in this match where they isolated Pete Dunne in one ring and they had him in the uh two of the guys were kind of doing a finish on him, including like just pressing a chair against his face, and I thought for sure, oh shit, he's gonna submit. Yeah. And his knees taped up, blah 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 blah. And like the War Raiders and Ricochet can't get to him, can't get to him, and finally Ricochet does an unbelievable, like Aerial somersault dive over everybody to break it up and everything, and then you know the finish of uh, Pete Dunne hitting the bitter end, and then Ricochet hitting a four fifty splash, and then they both pin Adam Cole. I actually love too that the
1: four fifty splash came from off screen. You yes, me too. It. I so did too. Yes. They, they didn't sell the big spot on camera yeah. because it was out of nowhere. It was exactly. a surprise, and that, that's how stuff really happens. Yeah. Like you, you don't see it coming because you're focusing on this. Is like holy shit out of the out of nowhere. Uh,
0: they both pin him. Then they play Pete Dunne's music, which I'm a huge Pete Dunne fan. So to me, I'm like, yes. Like, mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Like, I thought for sure the industry Era was going to win. And I thought Pete Dunne was going to be the guy to take the loss for his team because he's the NXT UK guy. He's the longest reigning champion in the WWE right now. He's the sixth longest reigning singles title reign in the history of the WWE right now. You know who's held the title longer than him in a single title reign? Bruno San Martino twice. Pedro Morales, Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan. Nobody has held a title, a single ring, as long as, uh, as Pete Dunne has, except for those guys. I
1: think they're really giving Pete Dunne his due and how they use him and everything.
0: Well, I think it's because he's Ric Flair. I mean, not Ric Flair, uh, the Triple H is the one that's guiding him. Yeah. So I love the fact that Pete Dunne and Ricochet get the pin. They play Pete Dunne's music. Because if you think about it, Ricochet's the NXT North American champion. But Pete Dunne is the WWE United Kingdom champion, mm-hmm. you know, so his title is a little bit more prestigious. And he's been champion for such a long time. Yeah. Um, Plus, you know, the WWE loves getting into those different markets. So <laughs> I need to give a little bit more respect to uh, the UK. I like after showing all the replays, they come back and you have Dunne and Ricochet staying on top of the cage. Pete Dunne didn't look, a com- didn't look too comfortable up there. Yeah, he had his feet uh, settled it, in between the it, bars while Ricochet was, was right a on, on top. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I like the fact they're staying there, and Pete Dunn looks over sort of North American town, just kind of like, huh. Like, you're like, I think I'd like to have that. You know what I mean? So I thought that A was little a more good. respect for each other, but still won yeah. each other's titles. Um, I'm sure this. I, I don't know. I just – I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved the finish. Um, can't say enough good about it. I'm wondering if uh, – I wonder if it's going to get a little five-star action from uh, – I wonder if any of the matches from Takeover getting a little five star action from the Wrestling Observer. I haven't heard
1: yet. Yeah, that that the whole show was great. That match was fantastic. Yeah, um, and it really like I love that Takeover can have any different title main event the show and legitimately deserve to be the main event yeah. too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And absolutely. it's all based on story too. It's not just arbitrary. or You know, this is the person that matters more, so they're going to get the main event. Like it's whose story is the, is the biggest at the moment. I, I told you this, too, uh, before we watched it, but uh, I just thought it was funny that Ricochet was the most boring guy in the match to me. Like, going in, the guy's I was least interested about. Okay. And I love Ricochet, too. That that just says a lot. Like, okay, he I'm the least interested in seeing him in this match, even though, like, he's great and I can't wait to see him in this match. Like, it just, to me, like, the bar was so high. If, like, Ricochet was the the one I was, like, least interested to see what he would do in the match course you know he's gonna do some amazing high-flying stuff in that match and he did
0: um anyhow so i thought war games nxt takeover was definitely kind of like the best show of the weekend and i i really really enjoyed it um but i wasn't the only wrestling we had this weekend you know besides having uh besides having uh NXT and then the David Arquette and a bunch of any stuff. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling had a couple shows for their uh, World Tag League for this year. And uh, we had some good matches so far. I I watched both the shows. The first two, we got live English commentary. The next several shows, they'll post just the uh, World Tag League matches on on the interweb there, on the New Japan World. And then the last couple shows, we'll get some um, live commentary for them. I'm looking forward to a few matches on the card I've talked about before. I'm looking forward to Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi against uh, and uh, Minoru Suzuki because I want to see Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. just go at each other. Uh, the first two shows, we got a couple matches where they had suzuki Goon against suzuki Goon, and they did not hold back, just beating the shit out of each other for the matches and then you know shaking hands at the end, if you will. So, But yeah, so go check out New Japan World. Right now, uh, we have a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-way tie for the lead of two points apiece (laughs) for Yuji Nagata and uh, Nakanishi, Juice Robinson, Dave Finley, Beretta and Chuck E.T., Tamatonga, Tangalea, Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr., the Killer Elite Squad, uh, Sabre Jr., and Tai Chi, Sonata and Evil. So, yeah, long ways to go, though. Long ways to go on this tournament. I love big convoluted things. Yeah, I to do too. I like the way they run them. I like how they tell the story behind them. But anyhow, um, I guess uh, that's enough for this week for me. So, hey, thanks for coming on the show, Paul. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me over. It's yeah. been a wonderful conversation. Absolutely, because we're talking about wrestling and uh, trying to keep it positive about wrestling. And I'm positive that uh, I'll talk to you next week about more wrestling. So I'm. Uh, where can I find you on the, the social media? Uh, I'm on
1: Twitter at Who's Paul. Uh, That's pretty much all you're going to find me at. Yeah. Um, You can find me on nerdylegion.com. I have uh, Paul and Michael occasionally save the world with a different Michael. Say not me. As my podcast. Um, So you can find me there. Uh, We're kind of taking a little hiatus while my co-host is a little over busy and I got a little tired of (sighs) trying to to put together other things because I'm busy too. So we're just going to take it easy a little bit until it works out again. So Plenty of good episodes there to listen to.
0: Uh, I'm on the Twitter machine as Superstar Mel, and also I have. Uh, what did you watch this week on the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network? You are going to go to be on the panel at C2E2 March? <laughs> I can't afford to go to Chicago. Yeah, I'm not going. I'm <laughs> going to New York in, A- in April for wrestling wrestling
1: weekend. So I'm going to work and then home.
0: That's what yeah. I do for life. Uh, but you, like I said, uh, you can find me on the, the Superstar Mel on the Twitter machine, and don't forget to check out my blog, The uh, I just posted a blog about a uh, wrestler TV shows in the 70s. that had wrestlers on them. Uh, my Ring of Honor experience at Global Wars. And then soon, probably by the time you hear this, I'll have a new post looking at the AWA Challenge Series special that they had on the uh, WWE Network. It was an unaired pilot, and it was horrific wrestling. <laughs> Thanks.